0: Listening to Jim Paris Live, your source for the latest news on money, politics, prophecy, and preparedness. And now, your host, the editor in chief of ChristianMoney.com and the author of more than 30 books, Jim Paris. All right, hello, everybody. Welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you with us. Can you believe it as we go live tonight that Christmas is coming up in just two weeks? Uh, It seems like he kind of snuck up on us a little bit this year, Uh, two weeks uh, from Christmas here as we uh, broadcast live uh, with you on this Sunday night, uh, December the 11th, Uh, man, I am really enjoying all of the fireworks with, uh, with Musk. Um, Elon Musk is with this whole uh, Twitter gate, all of the documents that he's revealing. I can't even keep up with it. There's so much, but the latest one, which I find very interesting, is that Musk is promoting the prosecution now of Anthony Fauci. And I have watched Fauci testify before Congress, and I have literally determined just watching him testify that he would contradict himself within the same, uh, in the same day of testimony, almost saying completely different things. And there are so many questions about Fauci and Uh, what he knew and when he knew it. And does he have money invested in any of these companies providing uh, the vaccines? I I just don't know. I just know there's a lot of questions and I don't like it when we're not allowed to ask these questions. And I don't like it when we're not allowed to uh, give uh, the other side or, you know, dissenting opinions uh, when it comes to um, issues like medical treatment. I I think that uh, the best uh, solution to Getting to the bottom of anything is looking at a variety of opinions, looking at uh, you know, different research, getting different people's insights on things. And that's, of course, not what happened during covid during covid. There was one narrative. And if you didn't share that narrative, you would get kicked off of social media. Uh, so a lot of this is coming out uh, in the uh, the Twitter gate files. And one of the um, really fascinating ones. And I've always said that the Obama's never went away. I've said this for years on this show, that as much as we think we don't hear much from Barack Obama, but I think behind the scenes, I personally believe that he is still uh, very much uh, in control of our government from behind the scenes. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I just think he's a man that continues to have great influence in a very quiet way, uh, especially, you know, in the Biden administration. I just think he does. And we have this story today that Michelle Obama is among the key people that got Twitter to ban Trump. They're also looking at Jack Dorsey, who testified before Congress, saying that conservatives were not being stifled on Twitter, that it was just the algorithm and nothing was happening to shadow ban or reduce the views of conservatives. And now we know from the information coming out uh, from Musk, now we know that that's absolutely untrue. And how Jack Dorsey could not have known that that there was this um, filtering shadow banning, whatever you want to call it of conservatives uh, at Twitter that is all coming out now, so it raises a question when someone goes to Capitol Hill and they testify, if they're not truthful, are there any consequences for them you know legally and if there are not any consequences, why even bother swearing them in? why even bother having them come to testify if there's not going to be any consequences? Uh, so, Jack, there are a lot, people are looking at Jack Dorsey and his testimony, which uh, the Congress appears to not be truthful uh, on the surface, uh, my opinion. And, uh, of course, a lot of people have thought that about Fauci for a long time. And now that uh, this new information is coming out uh, from Twitter, uh, there may be a lot more um, evidence to support the idea of some kind of prosecution of Anthony Fauci. Well, a lot of people are... Well, let me put it this way. A lot of people, especially Christians, especially conservatives, are concerned about TikTok. And I have to tell you, now that I'm back in the mortgage business, I go to a lot of trainings, a lot of seminars about uh, mortgages and marketing and how to get clients and all of that stuff. And one of the things that they bring up over and over and over again is TikTok. That TikTok is this way that you can reach a lot of people. And apparently, a lot of people in my industry, the mortgage business, the real estate business, financial planners, are posting videos on TikTok and using hashtags and getting thousands and thousands of views and then getting clients from that. So, maybe as a social media platform, maybe it does have some redeeming values. Uh, but we've got here this news story Indiana is suing TikTok for allegedly endangering children. And sending data to China, so this is the state of Indiana, and again, I'm I'm all for transparency. I'd like to see the discovery in this lawsuit and to see exactly what is going on. I, obviously, anything that is based out of China that is run by the the communist uh, Chinese government, you got to be skeptical of it. And this could very well be a Trojan horse. I mean, uh, you know, we get a lot of people using TikTok. Maybe the app somehow accesses data on your phone. Maybe this is how China uh, could be spying on us. Is this safe for kids? I don't know. I've never really gotten into TikTok. I do have an account and I've recorded a few videos, um, just mostly fun things like me playing the trumpet or maybe pictures of Christmas lights, things like that. I haven't really used it for business or anything like that, Um but uh, you know, it's uh, it's interesting to see what's happening with with TikTok. It, it, I I certainly get it that people are concerned about kids with any kind of social media, but especially if this it turns out to be that you know they are uh, this data is being uh, used and uh, controlled and filtered uh, back to China to the uh, government there in China. Um, it is a platform I know a lot of people are using, having success with it. I have never really been much of a TikTok watcher even though i have it on my phone people tell me that they will open up TikTok and end up watching for hours that it has replaced television for a lot of people as entertainment <laughs> i don't know i just see like a bunch of weird stuff when i open up my TikTok feed maybe i'm not following the right people i just don't see anything that interesting Anything that would get me to watch it for more than a minute or two. I mean, maybe somebody's doing something goofy, jumping off of a roof into a swimming pool or doing some kind of a a fun prank or a stunt or somebody singing, you know, performing music. And it might get my attention for a minute or so. But uh, this idea that people are watching TikTok now in place of television and they're actually watching it for hours and hours and hours, I honestly don't get that. Uh, so I posted this article on my Facebook page. I want to bring this up on my computer so I can give you the actual title of the article. It's about Andy Stanley. And he's an interesting guy because any the name Andy Stanley comes up uh, on my Facebook page, there's always a lot of controversy. Uh, people jump in on one side or the other. He has a lot of supporters but he has also a lot of detractors. So I posted this up here. Uh, your thoughts on Andy Stanley. And there's kind of a debate going right now on my Facebook page. Andy Stanley, if you don't know, is the son of Charles Stanley, uh, the famous uh, preacher from Atlanta. And Andy Stanley has his own separate church from his father. And so there's, this article here is titled, Despite What Andy Stanley Says. Let's see here. It's opening up. Despite What Andy Stanley Says. The doctrine of biblical inerrancy is important. And uh, this is from D-I-S-N-T-R, D-I-S-N-T-R dot com. And uh, Andy Stanley is uh, a very polarizing figure uh, in some ways, much like Joel Osteen. And I'm just curious to listeners of this broadcast, what your opinion is of Andy Stanley. Uh, there's a lot of people I mean he says strange things like, uh, really, the Old Testament isn't for Christians today. We shouldn't even really be looking at the Old Testament. He was one of the so-called, quote-unquote, woke churches that stayed closed uh, much, much longer, many, many, much longer than most other churches closed um, during the COVID uh, lockdown. Uh, and a lot of people just bottom line question his theology. Um, he allegedly uh seems to teach that the Bible is not completely inerrant as well. These are some of the things that people are saying about Andy Stanley. But the guy is, he's rich. He's a super uh, best-selling author. Uh, Any book he puts out goes, you know, to the top of the list within the Christian market. And uh, apparently he's worth millions and millions of dollars. Not sure uh, how much of that has to do, honestly, with just the fact that he was the son of his of of Charles Stanley, who already had the giant following, even though Andy Stanley's theology does not match up with his father's, he may have uh, gotten a boost in his career from being the son of Charles Stanley. So uh, check that out on my Facebook page. Weigh in uh, if you've got some thoughts on Andy Stanley one way or the other. Uh, student loans. Okay, so this is, uh, people are confused about this, and this is actually coming right into my mortgage business right now also because a lot of people had planned already expected that their student loans would be forgiven and they would be forgiven by now and that that was the plan that you could go in and apply for the forgiveness uh, first part of October that you would have the student loan forgiveness uh, people were getting uh, ten thousand dollars forgiven or in some cases twenty thousand dollars forgiven of student loans. So people just assume that they're getting the forgiveness. It was announced by the Biden administration, but now there are these uh, court challenges to the student loan forgiveness. So as a result of the court challenges, uh, millions of student loan borrowers are not sure where they stand with their student loans. We do know that the resumption of payments for student loans, which was supposed to start back up again in January, that that has now been pushed out until the summer. So even if you, you know, if you have a student loan, obviously it hasn't been forgiven yet because this forgiveness is all tied up in the courts. Uh, You won't have to start making payments until the summer, worst case scenario, if the student loan forgiveness does not go through. But how this affects you when you're applying for a mortgage is even though you're not currently making a payment on the student loans, you have to include a student loan payment in your debt ratio. And depending on the kind of loan it is, you have to take 1%, uh half a percent to 1% of the total balance. And you have to put that in as a monthly payment. Uh, so even though there isn't a monthly payment, you have to take a half a percent of the balance or 1% and you have to put in this as a kind of a minimum sort of assumed future payment that is part of your debt ratio to qualify for a home loan. Uh, so this is something that uh, is coming into my business, you know, being that I'm a mortgage guy. A lot of people are confused about this. Uh, this story um, I saw earlier today, I believe this was on Yahoo Finance. Apparently 9 million borrowers mistakenly got emails saying that they had already been approved for student loan forgiveness and uh, that their student loans would be forgiven imminently. And of course, now it turns out that that's not the case. Um, It's in limbo, but uh, notwithstanding all that, you still will have to factor in uh, some percentage of that um, student loan as a, as part of your debt ratio, if you are applying for a mortgage. So it's still in the courts. We don't know when it's going to be resolved, but bottom line is there is no uh, payment that you will have to make until the summer worst case scenario. If the forgiveness does not go through this from CNBC, Nearly 25% of U.S. homebuyers want to move, uh, and Florida is the top destination. So that's no surprise. So we know that there is this massive um, migration in the United States. It's partly because of the remote working phenomenon. People can re- work remotely now and keep their jobs. So it used to be that. Uh, You know, an area wouldn't really explode with population unless there were jobs. And that makes sense because that's the number one thing for people. They have to have a job to be able to live. So Florida, as nice as it is here, Florida hasn't really been a great place for people to get high paying jobs. There are certain jobs, certain careers you can get into in Florida, uh, but in general, we don't have the jobs that you might have in like a New York City or a Chicago or a Los Angeles. We don't have those kinds of jobs here. But with the remote working uh, trend that's going on now, that doesn't really matter. And according to this article, the number one destination is Florida. And it says here that nearly 25% of U.S. Home buyers, uh want to move. So people are looking to relocate. Florida is the top destination. And really, no wonder why there's no state income tax here. Homes are still pretty reasonably priced here in Florida. Um, so you can still take your uh, your windfall of money from the sale of a home in New York or Chicago or California, and you can come here to Florida and get a nice house. And if you could keep your remote job, um, all is good. Of course, we still have that massive inflow of people to Florida that are retired. So this is kind of still the number one place for people to move that are retired. But now the working, uh, you know, population is moving to Florida. And a lot of that, again, is related to the remote working phenomenon. And just to mention that to you, I do live in Palm coast, Florida, and I am a mortgage broker and I work um, with people that are relocating. I do have a network of realtors that I recommend I can also you know do your mortgage if you're moving here to Florida. Get in touch with me. Uh, you can send me an email to Jim at christianmoney.com, or you can uh, private message me on Facebook. Uh, crypto whales are continuing to accumulate Ripple XRP, and this is uh, a question people are you know asking, which is with the you know collapse of cryptocurrency due to the FTX uh, exchange. People are wondering, you know, is there still an opportunity? Is there still something to grab onto? I personally think Bitcoin is a real bargain right now at these price levels, $17,000. I think Bitcoin is a steal, but I, I also, I've always liked it and I still like it and I still want to buy some more Ripple because Ripple is now at 38 cents and I really think Ripple is a steal at 38 cents. And uh, this article from uh, CNBC is talking about uh, that these large cryptocurrency investors also called crypto whales are continuing to accumulate ripple XRP. And of course the role of the dice here with ripple XRP is this SEC lawsuit. So if this lawsuit gets dismissed or settled favorably, then Ripple is expected to skyrocket. I have seen predictions of Ripple going as high as $20. So who knows? I mean, uh, at $0.40, that would mean that your money would go up 50 times. So you put $1,000 in Ripple right now at this price, and it goes to $20. Now your $1,000 is $50,000. It's a long shot. But to me, it looks like one of the best uh, long shot bets you can make in crypto right now uh, alongside of this uh, $17,000 price level for Bitcoin, which I think makes Bitcoin very attractive price as well. So a lot of people are still doing cash out refinances and uh, there's there's kind of a little bit of a misunderstanding going on within the uh, mortgage marketplace and that's what I do most of my day as I work with mortgages but um, it, it's interesting because uh, where rates are at right now people are getting you know rates about 6, 6.5% six something like that a lot of my clients uh, so because rates were recently at 3%, 3.5% a lot of people are saying oh those rates are ridiculous I'm not going to get a mortgage now because 6%, 6.5% is is, is ridiculous I'm I'm going to wait when they don't really realize that historically 6%, 6 6.5% are not bad rates. They're really not. But when it comes to cash-out refinances, which I can do those for you, I am licensed in Florida, Georgia, Texas, Tennessee, Illinois, and California. So if you're in any of those areas, you can get in touch with me, uh, and I can do a cash-out refinance for you. But one of the big reasons people are doing them is to pay off credit cards so we have a lot of people that have accumulated credit card debt over the last couple of years uh, it's been tough for people because of covid some people had uh you know they lost the, their ability to earn an income and the stimulus was nice but not enough for a lot of people and so uh people are still struggling still unburying themselves from uh the financial uh, downturn uh due to covid and so if you've got debts that are at 20% 25% whether these are credit cards personal loans, even people have home equity lines of credit that are getting to be at very high interest rates, auto loans. There are a lot of things that you can um, look at where you say, man, if I can bring down a debt from 20% down to 6.5%, that's a good thing. And that's what a lot of people are looking at. They're looking at doing cash out refinances because of the interest rate savings. And even though rates are higher on mortgages right now, than they have been in recent years, they're still reasonable compared to um, where they've been historically. But um, also uh, there's still a great option. You know, six and a half percent is a great option to pay off a 20% debt. And uh, you just have to look at things within the entire context of a given situation. This is sometimes the mistake people make is when they're, they're looking at their finances and they're making a decision. They look at things in a very isolated way. So they'll say, A mortgage and it's at this interest rate, well, that rate is higher than what it's been in the last three or four years. That's not a good deal. I'll wait. But they're not really considering the bigger picture, which is, you know, uh, paying off high interest rate debt. So on the one hand, the rate is higher than it's been, but it's still much lower. And one of the things you can do if you're, you know, working with a loan officer, I do this for clients all the time, is I can just put all your information in the computer. I can do an analysis and give you a printout and just show you. This is how much you would save. If you refinanced, got cash out of your home and you have the equity and you pay off all these bills, this is what your new payment would be and all these bills would be gone. And that's something that can be done. There's no cost to do that. Just so you have more of a a big picture analysis and understanding of what your options are. Uh, So cash out refinances are making sense for people with high interest rate debt to pay off. And some people are getting concerned, too, about these HELOCs, these home equity uh, lines of credit. Because if you read the fine print, many of these can actually go up to, believe it or not, 20% on the interest rate, which is just bizarre. And the rates change from one month to the next. You don't know what your payment is. It's unsettling. Fast food prices went up 13% this year. 13%. Can you believe that? I don't eat a lot of fast food. So I don't really notice this because I don't eat fast food. Uh, If I get takeout, I'll buy a... Maybe a sub sandwich from Publix. Maybe uh, get a little bit of takeout from a Chinese place that's near here. But I'm just not hitting the McDonald's and the Wendy's and those kinds of places. I'm just not doing it. Uh, but it says here that fast food prices went up 13% this year, but one chain increased their prices by nearly three, uh, three times that. So uh, Wendy's, uh, on average, has raised their prices this year by 35%. According to this article, 35%, you know, every so often I like Wendy's. I'm not, I'm not there. I haven't been to Wendy's in months, but every so often I like to get a frosty or get some Wendy's fries or a Wendy's burger. Uh, but it's not cheap anymore. You used to be able to go through a drive through for four bucks, five bucks. Do you remember the old dollar menus where you could get a small fry, a small burger for like a buck each? All of that has disappeared and uh Wendy's appears to be leading the pack uh raising prices 35% overall this year. All right. That is it for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. Two weeks until Christmas. Uh we plan to uh continue to uh be here for you. Uh broadcasting. We'll do a a live show next week and then on Christmas Day I'll probably just pre-record a show. Uh, maybe uh, the day before so that we have a fresh show uh, for Christmas. I appreciate all the thoughts and prayers. A lot of you know, and I'll just close it out with this. A lot of you know that this has been a tough year for me. Uh, I I was married for 36 years and my wife filed for divorce in April. And uh, it's been a tough year for me emotionally and financially. But God has been faithful and I continue to move forward. And uh, I haven't been faithful to this show because sometimes I just, Honestly, haven't been emotionally up to getting to this microphone and doing this show, uh, but uh, that is going to change. I'm going to start getting to this microphone here for you consistently every week. We have plans to start doing the guest segments again. We've heard from a lot of you saying you miss the guests and uh, just a lot going on right now as we go into the new year. Uh, God has been with me this year and he has been faithful. It's been a tough year, a lot of down times emotionally. Uh, but looking forward to a better year here, 2023, God bless. So long, have a great week. And remember as always, if it's Sunday night, it's Jim Paris live. So long, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.